The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Salam, everyone. We are back with part two of my episode with Aya. Um, The conversation continues. As I said, the episode was really long, so... If you haven't listened to episode one, I highly suggest you go back and listen to it because I think the conversation was kind of cut in the middle. But um, yeah, I, I highly suggest that you go listen to the episode prior to this if you want to continue. And if you already did, then the conversation just immediately picks up. I hope you enjoy and thank you so much for tuning in. When, when the only information or the only um, time Yemen is talked about is in that light, it's I feel like it's going to portray or like kind of stain the image people have of Yemen and it'll always be like a poor, sad place. And I think that there's like negative implications of that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, also people forget the history of Yemen as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, it's very important to, to educate people on the history of Yemen and, and the beauty of our culture as well. Um, you know, when we look at uh, the, for example, um, the earliest skyscrapers were in 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 Hadramaut, right? Mm-hmm. So, even you know, just just things like this, where people people don't know, they don't know when you when you show them um, images of Yemen of its beauty, people in their heads, I think they just think that it's a um, it's a war torn country, there's a humanitarian situation. People are getting used to also the images of starving children, and of course, it is extremely sad. It's it's really it's really really horrific what's going on, but people become really desensitized to these images when they're constantly being bombarded with them, um, and again they turn them into kind of helpless um, victims that um, are unable to do anything without, um, you know, the the white savior, I guess. Um, so yeah, so I think, you know, when going back to uh, Yemeni creatives, like it's it's really it's really amazing when you look at Instagram and you look at people's different Yemeni uh, people's different platforms that they're using to to showcase their work. Um, and you know, you have, you have Yemenis who, and the thing is with me as well, like it's the last time I went to Yemen is in 2013. So even for me, I didn't even realize how much, um, Yemenis were kind of like using social media and how many Yemenis were in the creative art industries. Um, I, I genuinely did. And that's my own ignorance. Um, so do you know what I mean? Like it, it trickles mm-hmm. down to you as as a Yemeni living in diaspora um and that's something that I kind of had to like unlearn and I was like oh wow okay loads of it's not it's not just me who likes doing art there's so many other people out there who like it as well um so yeah so I love you know you know seeing like filmmakers musicians artists um and I you know I'm focusing a lot on the uh the creative arts because um I just I don't know like I always just assumed that growing up Yemeni it's there was always such a focus on, okay, this is, and you know, to, obviously to an extent it's true, there's always just a focus on, you know, we have to, um, 
like you, you know you go down like a more academic path or you know you become a doctor or engineer or a lawyer or god knows what and you don't delve into these other other subjects because it's like it's just a hobby and that's that and mm-hmm. so that kind of into my mentality as well and it was only really like when I um when I moved moved out went to London um and then through the internet kind of just saw that actually no um there are so many Yemenis using all different kinds of platforms to showcase their artwork uh, their creativeness creativity and it's um I, if anything it's just the fact that um we need to pay more attention to that if anything um and give Yemenis more uh, like more opportunities and more spaces that are catered for creatives to allow them to express themselves really. Um, and you're talking sorry. about specifically the Yemenis in Yemen or in general? I mean in 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 general but I think um, I think I think it's sometimes I think it's kind of I don't know if you feel this way I, I don't like to speak on behalf of Yemenis and Yemen because you know it's it's a it's a very different experience I also don't like to speak on behalf of Yemenis in general it's funny that you say that because I think we find that most of the time Yemenis are I don't want to say similar but we are like of course there's like a little bit of outliers and stuff but I feel like I could probably go into any Yemeni community anywhere in the world and again as long as it's not like a one-off family but like an actual community and I still feel like I would feel a sense of belonging in in somewhere that I could adapt part of it is probably because I did grow up in Yemen and like I've lived around a Yemeni community my whole life so the exposure has been there my whole life but we are and I don't know maybe other maybe other Arab um maybe other Arab cultures are the same way I mean I don't know but the whole thing about like not speaking for Yemenis in Yemen that's like been a huge thing that I've had to really think about over the past couple of years because when I first started like with let's say with my podcast and then I was doing like a lot of work um fundraising and like raising awareness about what was happening in Yemen and then I was like getting like bombarded by a lot of like people asking me questions and like the local news wanting to reach out to me to talk about like what's happening there and I started feeling very overwhelmed because I'm like who am I like someone who like lives in America I'm like super privileged I'm safe I'm not having to deal with that stuff I'm not going to say it hasn't impacted me or like it's not impacting Yemenis in the diaspora when their families live there but like it just felt super uncomfortable and it just didn't feel right that like I was the person who was going to speak out about what was happening I can talk about my experience and I can talk about what I know but like we need to give that space to the actual people who are being impacted by what's happening and not us and when I see conversations online wherever it is like in a comment section of a video or on Twitter and it's like Yemeni communities here in the U.S. or whatever outside of outside of Yemen talking about the issues and what they think should be done and all of this stuff and I'm just like that's you want to make Yemen into something that fits you as a maqtirab as someone who just goes there to visit so it's nice for your little vacation with your dollars or your pounds or whatever it is and then so then you can just leave and go back to you know where you're a citizen of and you find that like the people that are living there might want something completely different well we need to listen to them it doesn't matter about what's what works for us so this whole idea of like the Yemenis there having social media over the past I, I don't I don't even know how long it's been since I feel like I felt more connected to understanding Yemeni creatives and Yemeni activists and stuff in Yemen because of social media it's been so cool because aside from if, it, if social media didn't exist I don't think we would have access to a lot of those talents and and those type of people so 
I see like people I follow who are photographers, who are creators and like journalists and all this stuff. And it's just amazing because I, I'm glad that they finally are getting the opportunity to like be at the forefront and not us Yemeni Americans or, you know, Yemenis in, in the UK or wherever it is. It shouldn't be us. It should be them. I mean, if anything, we should just, you know, and this is what I kind of always do. It's just, um, you know, you're supposed to, as I guess, more visible Yemenis in the West, you give the platform mm-hmm. to the Yemenis and you literally just pass it along because how can I speak on behalf of them it's just I haven't had the same experiences it's like you said you've we've grown up in a very um privileged sort of way and we still have um there's still a a lot of unlearning that we have to do in that regards Mm -hmm. um because I think we growing up in the west you well at least like you said you grew up in Yemen right I mean like I, I grew up here but I would visit often and I studied like different parts of my life there like I we'd go for a year so we could study Arabic um and so back and forth but majority of my life here in the U.S. Yeah I was just going to ask actually like in in your mind like um would you ever want to kind of go back and visit Yemen or Mm -hmm. at some point I mean I would love to go visit like I was before the pandemic hit in 2019 my parents were my parents are in their 60s and so they were planning on going back to Yemen. They, they actually visit Yemen a lot more often than like I have. So they were just there, I would say maybe a few years before the pandemic hit. And that's because, you know, my grandparents were alive at that time. And so they would go back and forth to visit them. I wanted to go with them the last time that they were planning on going one to visit my grandparents, but also because I felt like, I, I don't know, I was just worried with this, the way that the, um, you know, the way that I've heard about like how long travel takes and checkpoints and all this stuff. So I don't know. I, I was like, I want to take the opportunity to go with them. SubhanAllah, it didn't work out, but I would love to go there. I, I have ideas of like things I want to do. So I work in, I've been, I've been working in agriculture for the past like five years, almost yeah five and a half years. So really learning a lot about it and then learning about like the history of Yemen and its agriculture, especially when it comes to, um, like coffee and I mean coffee is probably the main thing but like even I mean learning about the bad stuff too like that um it's something I would love to just go and learn more about like the practices there and see how there could be better and safer practices there for and sustainable practices there for um the way that they farm and harvest and you know um kind of source their uh their crops but I mean, that, like, that's like a dream in the future. I, I don't know if I could ever live there because I think that that would be, I, I don't think that that's ideal, but I would love to like visit and yeah. Mm. Frequently. When you were there was, um, I mean, how old would you have been? You've been quite young, right? I was 15. Okay. Um, just in terms of, because I mean, I've always felt like in terms of um, living in Yemen, I mean, we'd always go for like six weeks holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I mean, it was really nice, you know, you're able to kind of, you know, visit family and um, really connect with them. And I think obviously not being able to go back for a while, um, you find that uh, just that connection, you know, it's, it's you know, I mean, it's difficult because you're not able to, to kind of go and actually see them in person. Um, so I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but a lot of my family, are, um, a lot of them have left Yemen so they kind of you know either went to went to Turkey or Malaysia um and yeah so even when I kind of think back to Yemen 
Um, it's like you said earlier on, it's it would be very different to how you remem remembered it when you were younger. Um, and even families that kind of left, uh, I mean, even if let's say things did get better, uh, people went back, it's kind of like, well, they've they've moved away now and they've they've mm. made a, like a new life for themselves outside of the country. So it's it's yeah, it's almost like, is there a reason for them to go back? And I think especially when you think, well, actually, if you don't have if you ha if you can find yourself, regardless of war, if you can find and get yourself a better opportunity or a better quality of life for you and your children, then you would choose that. You wouldn't, yeah. um, you know, you wouldn't choose the latter um but then I guess it's it's one of those things where like I don't know with me sometimes there is a kind of guilt of wanting to try to make um like the country the country into a better place or kind of trying to help in in any way um and even even sometimes the guilt that I have sometimes of just in my family like being lucky enough to be born in Britain and um, having that privilege of being educated in the UK, um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if that sounds. No, I think that that's actually probably very common, um, especially if, well, one, like we're women and we're educated, and I would say probably fairly independent, and that's not very common within the Yemeni community. Yeah. Which I, I want to say that that's a, that's a stereotype and it does exist, I don't know, probably often, but um, there's a lot of educated women in Yemen. There's a lot of women in, uh, you know, very important positions, whether it's like in the crisis that was happening, you know, with uh, uh, like the cholera outbreak, like everything I saw and like everything I'd watch, it was always like women at the forefront. Women are the ones that are, you know, trying to alleviate those problems. And so women are like, there's a progression. But when when you look at sometimes I think about me and just a cousin who the only difference is, is that like, I was, you know, my dad's uh, daughter, and she was her dad's, but they're brothers. But like, how different our lives would be had it been the other way around, or had my dad not made the trip here when he was, you know, young and brought us all here, how different my life would be. So that guilt, I think exists. And I think that I do think about the ways that all of us, like anyone who has the opportunity, who has been educated, has learned some type of um, skills, whether it's, you know, like engineering or um, anything in the medical field or any hard sciences that they could somehow maybe give back in some way or another, like to help rebuild Yemen, but not, not in the way that they want to see it rebuilt. So that it is built to benefit those who live there, not built to benefit us. And I think yeah. that's the only difference. Like if you're there just to kind of your own motives and whatever reason, like business or whatever, then like, I think, you know, we're, they're better off without you. But I think there's inshallah going to be a chance for all of us some, some way or another, small or big to be able to give back to say that, you know, we were lucky to not, to get out before there was war and before all of that stuff. And we were blessed with a lot. And can we give back because, Who's going to care about Yemen more than than the people who like see like for me when I look at pictures and stuff like I see my own nieces and nephews in those faces I see like it's so weird how like I feel like Yemenis have a distinct look I mean we don't all look alike but there's just something about like when I see things it's like I connect with those people do you know what I mean I don't know if that sounds silly no 100% <laughs> they, you know? um um no it, you know what as well it's um 
Yemenis generally are just very, very welcoming people. So have you found that any time you've kind of, um, you've, uh, you've come across any other Yemeni or you don't know them or anything, but it's like an, an immediate um, warmth mm-hmm. you've your heart because they've made you feel welcomed um and it's it's something that is um is yeah it's a very beautiful thing and you're so right about the Yemeni distinctiveness <laughs> like I can spot a Yemeni a mile away and be like I know I know where they're from I know yeah. what city they're but yeah I mean, even with the mask on I've had people call me out and say like you're Yemeni and I'm like how how would you know and it's just I don't know if it's just the eyes or yeah. what the people can, the, the, and I'm talking about non-Yemenis who spot it, and they're like, you guys have a distinctive look, and I'm like, really, because to me, Yemenis can look very different, but I guess for the most part, we do have something about us. Yeah. That yeah, is, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's um, something, inshallah, in the future when things get better that we can all find our way to visit and I don't know, do you, so I, I still have family there, but like a lot of people did leave, not leave, but all my cousins that I grew up with are like all married now and live in different cities or have moved to like either Emirates or the US. So even if I went back, there's no, there's like, I will never go back to the same Yemen I knew when I would visit. And it's a very selfish thing for me to feel sad about because everyone left for better opportunities. But then I'm just like, well, I would like that old feeling of going back (laughs) and, you know, all my cousins and all that stuff. But the reality of it is like, that just doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I, I literally, it's this idea of wanting to f- recreate those memories and, oh, you know, we'll go back and we had so much fun, you know, yeah. just like stay up until God knows what time playing yeah. cards uh, and have sleepovers. Um, and you're trying to recreate a lot of these childhood memories, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's a, it's a very funny way of, um, of, of thinking about it, but um I guess it's part of life as well, isn't it? So you made a point about um, not wanting to stereotype Yemeni women, and I thought it was quite important. Um, I don't know about you, but I always find it's it's sometimes I find it hard talking about issues that we face as as Yemeni women um, and being like as Muslim women, to be honest, um, and being able to speak about it in a safe space amongst. Uh, amongst people who who won't judge or you know won't hold on to those stereotypes um so it's kind of like you're you're struggling between wanting to talk about those issues and wanting to deal with them but then at the same time mm. you into this narrative of the victimized muslim woman who's being oppressed um and sometimes it's so hard to find that balance because mm. you you know there like i will defend um you find that you have to, you know, defend Muslim men, for example, um, when it's in the wider context, you know, being like, no, no, Muslim men aren't bad, blah, blah. But then there are so many issues that we do have in our communities that we want to deal with. Um, but it's, it's like we just need those safe spaces to be able to talk about it without worrying about whether or not we're feeding into that racist narrative um and that islamophobic narrative to be honest um and it's always kind of, yeah it's finding that middle ground um and being able to do that um but yeah no in terms of you know women and uh, like yemeni women muslim women i think you know when we when we look at uh 
people using um, their creative platforms to actually, um, I mean, Muslim women are using their own creative platform, uh, using their own platforms to give themselves a voice and to be able to speak about these, uh, any particular issue that they want. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I don't know if anyone has mastered how to be critical of, of their community or a piece of their identity without feeding into stereotypes. Because, for example, as a non-American, I can start listening to you talk about the flaws that the U.S. has. All valid points, all stuff I know, but it just doesn't feel good when you when you have other people point out the flaws of, you know, like it's the same thing with Yemeni, you know, Yemeni and like when someone points out stuff about Yemeni and it's like, I get a little protective and I'm like, Hey, you know, you can't say that I can say that, but you can't say that, you know? So it's, it's understanding that, like, I think some people have the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they have the credibility to like speak up on something and some people don't. And so unless you're Yemeni, it's like very hard for me to listen to what your opinion is or how you think things are, because you don't understand the nuances and like, just all the things that like we understand when we say that yes like we understand like a woman's experience as a muslim yemeni or as a yemeni but like i don't want someone who's not yemeni to speak on it because i feel like you're just looking at it from one piece and we're looking at it from a holistic thing but then i look at things when women do post stuff on social media and then the comments section is like so bad and i'm like this is why people think this way because of this like we try to fix things and protect and and you know like not allow those stereotypes to exist and live but then it's like you know in the comment section and then you're like oh i give up (laughs) yeah believe what you want exactly Um, i'm like you know i'm done um yeah honestly and it's just it can be really frustrating um and uh, genuinely for me sometimes i i have to kind of take myself out of especially with social media you see the most the, the, like the craziest of debates and debates on issues that we should not even be debating about like I'm sorry why are we why are we debating this thing that you know people 
20 years ago we're, we're like we're talking about this this isn't even worth our time anymore mm -hmm. um I think for myself I've just I've tried to just um uh kind of look away and, and I'd rather just put my head in the sand sort of mm -hmm. thing um but obviously like you know when you when you're you're when you're a visible visibly Muslim woman you can't exactly do that you you know you literally have a have a sign in your head everywhere you walk so it, it's exactly. not it's not just walk away from um but yeah so it I think it is it is difficult kind of reaching that that balance um but yeah I mean even when you think about um non-Yemenis start talking about uh Yemeni women issues or whatever and then you you do feel quite protective but also they just don't seem to understand um like you said the the nuances they don't understand the context um so for example when we talk about naqab um, and you know, in Yemen, a lot of a lot of the Yemeni women do wear niqab. Um, and as much as you know, when 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 I went and when I'd go and visit, and I'd feel like, you know, sometimes you'd feel uncomfortable if you you know you like I I wouldn't have my face covered, and I I would start to feel uncomfortable. But then I'd get like really angry, be like, but no, I should have my face uncovered if I want to. Um, so like obviously, you know, I, I can have those opinions, but. I know for a lot of for a lot of Yemeni women, there's they, there's no issue with when, them wearing niqab, and it's it, ultimately it's down to free choice. And actually, as well, um, you know, a lot of my cousins would say, uh, yeah, I mean, when you when they're wearing niqab, they they're like they can basically do whatever the hell they want because no one knows them. And so, in a, in a sense, um, when you're, I mean, um, like uh, for, for my cousin, when she'd have her face covered she would feel um, kind of the sense of freedom mm -hmm. of able to go to Shara Jamal, which is the, the shopping area in Sa'a, and basically just start shouting at random men and no one being able to do anything about it because it was like, it was a form of protection, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when, when people come in with, with very Western ideas of, um, of a kind of very white feminism, let's say, and not understanding the 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 nuances um and it, it they go in and say oh no like your freedom you're only able to get your freedom if you're not wearing niqab and they don't they don't understand actually the power that something like niqab can give to Yemeni women in certain contexts so it's it's honestly it's a very very complex issue um so yeah that's why I just feel like we do need more uh, safe spaces to be able to speak about that kind of thing and it's the same thing when it comes to wearing hijab um in western countries as well so like being uh like an american muslim or or a british muslim um and feeling the need to constantly be like yeah i'm not oppressed i'm very happy wearing hijab and it's out of my own free will um i've, I've stopped feeling the need to having to explain myself like I, I remember when i was younger i'd always have to explain okay this is why i do this this is why i wear hijab this is why i'm um you know being a muslim and you know now all like um you know, you'd, you'd start talk about, oh, um, you know, we don't believe in terrorism, God knows what, but it comes to a point where you're like, this isn't, this isn't my job to mm. constantly answer all these questions. I'm not a representative here. I'm just a human being. And I feel like you find yourself doing that <laughs> with both sides of your, like, I always felt like I was explaining myself to, you know, the Western American community or people that like I was around when it came to the way that I dressed and the things that I practiced and like the life choices I made being just more conservative and then 
the same thing when I would want to do things and my Yemeni community is like, I like, you know, NT Bins, you can't do these things and it's not appropriate for you and whatever. So it's like, you never really win because you think, yeah, and you're in the middle, you're trying to find a middle ground between two, but like both sides eventually are going to look at you from like an extreme perspective because you're going against the norms. You're not wanting to fit into one or the other. So it was a very like hard thing to to go through growing up. To end the podcast, I kind of want to start doing this new thing where I want to ask my guests one, two, three, four, about four, maybe five like quick questions. And the first one is, is what is the best advice you've been given? Hmm. Best advice. Okay. So I think, uh, I guess the best advice that's been given to me is, okay, this is going to sound really harsh, (laughs) but no one's focused on you. (laughs) You know, when you're in a situation and you feel really, um, I mean, it can be big or small, like maybe you're you're going to the gym and then you feel really awkward because you feel like everyone's everyone's going to look at you and you're doing something wrong or I don't know you're you're out and about um whatever kind of the situation is um and then you're just you become very self-conscious and then yeah someone was just like actually I've, I've heard this quite a few times no no one's no one's focused on you no one's looking at you don't worry just just continue doing your thing and stop worrying about how something looks or how something might be perceived um, I, I love it's, that it's very simple it's very simple but it, yeah whatever whatever I'm in any awkward situation I just think of that and I'm like no one cares about you I, it's fine <laughs> so, and it's yeah. very true it's actually advice I've given to my nieces because yeah. they tend to be a little insecure about certain things and I'm like no one really cares the way that you think and not in a harsh way like yeah. no one cares about you but you are putting far more attention on this thing that than anyone will they're like in their own yeah. world okay next question what is your favorite quote or saying or something that you live by um yeah so I guess my one of my favorite quotes one that comes to mind anyway is um the fact that Dean is supposed to be easy and not hard mm-hmm. um and I think that's that's really always stuck by me um just because you know growing up um, unfortunately sometimes we do we do tend to especially as as young Muslim women we do tend to attach um, a lot of guilt to religion like oh you know if you're not doing something properly or um, you know is this haram um, and you know you know is there going to be a punishment for this and that's unfortunately like I think a lot of Muslims tend to grow up um, with that that fear element instilled into them or that guilt element or shame rather than and that you know that's that's not religion that's more cultural right mm-hmm. um rather than you know loving Allah and, and like actually being able to have um have a have a relationship have a connection to your dean um so yeah the the focus of that is is kind of lost and and I, I you know I guess in a way it's it's this um it's just a way to to discipline children as well but you know it has its impacts so yeah so I'd say you know the idea that actually as long as you're doing your best and you know um Allah always tries to make certain situations or in your life easier for you and you know you can literally just examples from 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 Islam um you know like fasting for example if you feel just a little bit ill you can you don't need to fast if you're traveling you Mm -hmm. don't need to fast just just things like that where um, it it really helps like in a weird way not in a weird way in quite a sweet way it makes you feel like okay Allah has my back it's fine it's fine if I'm not able to do this um, it, you know I'm, 
you know, Dean isn't supposed to make me feel anxious or stressed or anything like that. It's supposed to actually help ease a burden. Um, and yeah, so that's that's something that I like to live by. I love I get, that. I get, yeah. No, I love that. I feel like it's, um, I always think that like, there's like two ways that most people are taught about Dean. And one is through fear and control. And one is through like rahma or mercy and compassion and like yeah those who are taught with the former are usually the ones who don't last very long or understand it or have a lot of trouble with it and those that you yeah. know are brought up with the latter are the ones who tend to um stick to it and just are always like more hopeful and like you said especially as a Muslim woman who are constantly being you know judged by you know the how religious we are based off of like our actions or how we dress it's like Alhamdulillah, like it's a very soothing quote, I guess you could say. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, next question. Favorite book or movie if you're not a reader like me, but favorite book. <laughs> um, favorite book. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm going to be really basic and say Harry <laughs> Potter. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Tell me you're British without telling me you're British. I'm just kidding. I know, right? <laughs> Actually, it's very you know- popular here in the US, I'm, I'm everywhere, so... Oh yeah, but the the obsession still stays, right? Um, I honestly, I really wanted to like sound really smart and and come up with a with a better book. But if I'm if I'm completely honest, the the one that's really dear to my heart is is obviously the the Harry Potter series. And mm. yeah, it's just like you know, it's it's the series that really got me into reading. The thing is, unfortunately, I don't really read much anymore. Just I don't know. I feel like the older you get, the um, well, no, no, I'm 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 just thinking of excuses but I should really read <laughs> um but yeah do you I ever find like after a long day at work or whatever you just kind of you want to unwind with trash tv yes and, yeah yes. right like I feel like I'm seen right now because I love reality tv or just like yeah. really obnoxious tv <laughs> yes yes it's just like the perfect thing you know you just need to relax you don't want to think too much yes it's, it's the perfect thing to like tune into um so yeah so you know I want to say that oh, after a tiring day I want to like snuggle in bed with a good book but that's that's not reality that's not what happens I think um, you yeah. and I just became good friends because that is me <laughs> and I always felt like a little you know like oh you know everyone talks about reading and I don't I love to read but I don't like really yeah. actually read books my favorite book by yeah. the way is Pride and Prejudice like I love Jane okay. Austen books but yeah. I love just like it's a guilty pleasure and that's how I choose to unwind like sue me no I know right hell we should be proud of this <laughs> exactly <laughs> No, no shame needed, right? Yeah, we'll start a um a support group for anyone interested. You can join our support group for the non-readers. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, two more things. Uh, what is your favorite self-care item or practice that you do just to, you know, like you said, long day? Maybe it's it's you just answered it. Maybe it's reality TV or trash TV. But like, what's your favorite self-care item? It could be something that like you use or a practice. Okay, I, I, don't I know hope how you this practice self care. No, no, I do know. Okay, <laughs> yeah, no, no, of course, of course. Um, I'm just trying to think of what what constitutes the self care. Um, okay, I don't know how this is gonna uh, how is this is gonna sit with the American audience, but um, I really like walking. <laughs> I it really <laughs> I it really just um, so during lockdown that was. I mean, I know everyone was walking, but like I was really walking. Um, I'd go on like four hour walks just to, uh, they'd always have to be a destination, 
that no no looking back I was like wow I was clearly going through it going on four hours but like um yeah so I would I would there's always has to be like some kind of destination I wouldn't just like walk aimlessly um and my destination would tend to be this um this donut shop um called bread ahead <laughs> so I was I would literally walk all the way there and it was a really pretty walk as well it was like um you know through um really nice foresty areas uh and through Hampstead in London and yeah and then I'd, I'd get to bread ahead and I'd I'd collect donuts <laughs> and then I'd go all the way back and it was really nice like I'd spend the time I'd I'd call up my friends I'd call up family um I'd listen to a podcast I'd listen to music um and it was yeah that was like I really, uh, really enjoyed those walks. Um, but now I feel like making that same route now, I feel a little bit weird about it. Like it, it would just, it reminded me too much of like, cause it, it reminded me too much of lockdown days, oh, you know? Like so, the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if that counts as self-care. Of course um, it does. I think self-care is whatever you do that helps, you know, you manage whatever is going on in your mind manage stress it's just a moment that you do for yourself and it only benefits you and it seems like it was very balanced you go you walk you get donuts and you're walking it off so it sounds like yeah. self-care to me. Um, um yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued now what's your self-care um what? honestly I like hiking so I do love to walk I love to get my body moving I really love being in high elevation I love mountains and I love I don't know incline like I know that sounds weird but I just I really love like hiking and yeah trash tv so like I love just sitting <laughs> at the end of the night watching trash tv and I really do love taking baths so like those are the three things that depending on what I need to do that like just by myself that's how I kind of I think self-care practice yeah I mean that's that sounds amazing hiking and trash tv that's a great combo <laughs> yeah I've never combined them before and I wouldn't recommend <laughs> it but you know maybe after the hike or something maybe <laughs> okay last question is and maybe you you might need a second for this one too because I know it took me a while when I kind of thought about it but what is something you would say to your younger self if you could like young Aya I don't know what age that is that's up to mm-hmm. you to determine but like if she was standing right in front of you what would you say to her Mm. it feels like a therapy session sorry I know it does <laughs> you don't have to get deep obviously but like what would you say to your younger self because we have I like I I know my audience ranges from like really young like 14 to like my age or older so I don't know I think it's always important to think of the younger our younger selves because that person exists still within us and so I think it's I don't know in in my own like actual therapy I've like had to think Mm -hmm. about my younger self and it's been very helpful but I just wanted to ask people like what would you say to your younger self and you could obviously choose not to answer any of these questions by the way I should have told you no it's 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 not even that it's I'm I'm really I'm really (laughs) what what I would say to my younger self that isn't too deep yeah (laughs) I know (laughs) I'm not joking (laughs) no 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 this is not yeah this isn't the part the the place you'd want to reveal anything you know too deep so I just I just start crying on this podcast Um, I would say maybe um, don't be scared to say no to things Mm. Um, and just kind of not in a selfish way but putting yourself first in certain situations so it's all well and good like being really nice um, and and being really helpful and um, trying to 
be that way to a lot of people but at the same time you kind of need to put your needs first and just and and that and you know that's it takes a lot of courage to be able to do that um but yeah just put, just saying no if you're if you're not comfortable with with something or you know it doesn't even have to be anything big like maybe you don't want to um go on some social outing with your friends mm-hmm. and you just want to stay at home you know just just it's fine just say no and there might be a lot of FOMO or <laughs> whatever but but yeah no I think um you know don't be so worried about um like potentially hurting other people or anything like that um yeah kind of putting putting yourself first yeah I think you'd be surprised that like that's I think a common thing that I hear a lot of people saying is is it's okay to say no and it's okay to not feel guilty about it because I think saying no sometimes is is not the hardest part it's the not feeling guilty part and it's so funny because I swear like if what I had in mind for myself for my younger self is that it's okay to set boundaries and not feel guilty about it so it's okay to say that you don't want to do something specific or you you know basically aren't make yourself completely available to anyone and everyone and that it's okay to not feel guilty because I think that was obviously like a problem I had growing up and just completely like never allowing to put never putting myself first and I always felt like it was such a selfish thing to do and I always felt guilty if I did or needed to and Mm -hmm. so I've had to unlearn that and then and then understand that when I did put boundaries that then there was guilt and then I had to work through that because then I felt like am I a bad person like am I being selfish and so it's this whole thing um but I love what you said because I think that's a similar thing that I would have said to my younger self as well yeah um, for sure that that guilt element that's kind of added to it you know you think you've gotten through the first hurdle by saying no and then for god knows how long you're you're overthinking it and it, you know it, it stems from the overthinking kind of going through it over and over in your head and being like oh was that the right thing to do maybe I could have just done it anyway like it's not too much of a big deal um, but yeah and like uh, that, that that sort of thing does come the more um the older you get and the more just comfortable you become in yourself because I think a lot of it does come down to like self-esteem um Mm -hmm. and being self-conscious about certain things and and you know wanting to be liked as well like when you're younger you do you do um you know you 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 want people to like you you want um you know uh like people pleasing and and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing so yeah the the older you get the more you're just you're more confident in yourself um so it does I mean don't get me wrong <laughs> I'm when it when it comes to saying no these days like it's it's still somewhat of a of a struggle I mean more so with the guilt thing mm. but um it's it's definitely like a lot easier than when when I was younger for sure yeah I mean I I relate so much to what you said so. <laughs> um that was my last question uh I just wanted to say thank you so much for doing this and um spending this time with me honestly it's been such a pleasure and I think even if we weren't recording a podcast like just our conversation and like spending some time with you was like honestly really enjoyable no honestly thank you so much for having me on here like I'm very honored um and but also I was thinking the same thing I was like we we just need to like um listen next time I'm in America or you're ever in the UK um then we should we should totally like meet up or something um but yeah I'm so glad like we were actually finally able to meet like virtually at least yeah um yeah (laughs) until we can meet in person yeah Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy Judy (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.